Hi, I'm Juan Galloway. And I'm Tracy Galloway. Welcome to our podcast, 36 Questions. This is an unscripted show where we candidly and spontaneously answer 36 questions that lead to love. These 36 questions were invented by psychologist Arthur Aaron, who created this exercise to help people be vulnerable in order to foster closeness and intimacy. We have been married since 1992 and have four awesome grown children together. We have both been in Christian leadership for over 30 years. We have been youth pastors, church planters, lead pastors, ministry school directors, nonprofit leaders, and are now missionaries. Yes, we are missionaries with youth with a mission. YWAM, the largest missions organization in the world, and are following our call to know God and make him known to the nations. You know, our hope is that as we dig deep into each other's lives, that you will be inspired to do the same. Let's dive in. Here we are again on 36 Questions. So, we are still living on the road. And, uh, well, I guess we're always living we're on the road now. Last episode was in New Zealand. We're still in New Zealand, but a different island. Yes, we're on the South Island. For those of you who what don't know. What an original know, name, the South Island. <laughs> there's the North Island and the South Island. They're both huge. I mean, it's kind of like driving from New York to Disney or something, right? Yeah. To get through both of them. Maybe more. Because we're going to hop on a plane to go back up to the North Island. It's a two and a half hour flight. So we drove a long way down the west coast of the South Island through the mountains. Yes, and Windy. we had yeah, and so we had a day off, and there's this place called uh, Pancake Rock, and they have these rocks that look like pancakes stacked, yeah. and then they have a place that serves pancakes close by, <laughs> and Juan had pancakes, I didn't because I'm gluten free. They were Whoa. delicious, <laughs> and uh, they had blowholes so the ocean would hit the pancake rocks because it's on the ocean and shoot up and they were pounding in yeah Beautiful. a blowhole is like kind of like a um like a whale would have on top right and like you need a little cartoon the with the whale and the hit, water shoots out of the whale a on top. Of rock and shoot out the top you're talking when i'm talking you know why no why because you had a triple shot sounds great triple shot coffee that is we just went out with some friends who are some of the leaders at youth with mission queenstown Mm -hmm. and while we were there i saw you tell the barista i need a triple shot i'm allowed to have triple shots i thought you weren't allowed to do triple shots i'm not labeled that i'm allowed to have four shots who has four shots quad shots that's crazy. Because three shots, it makes you a little nuts. Well, here's the thing. When they do a shot, yeah, they always do two. This is how they do it in a store. And so when you ask for three, they're like, oh, well, there's four. Do you want four? And I'll, I'll say, because I'm a good boy, no, just three, please. And they that, do not offer that, four. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, most of the time, Mm-mm. a lot of the time, they will because they've made it. Like, I don't They can't make you. one with the machine. Yeah, that's how it works. Anyway, oh, every time barista life. you have these extra shots, you act a little kooky. So if you're kooky on this episode, it's going to be a great episode, everybody. <laughs> See, you interrupted again. You can't do it. I'll just sit and listen and be quiet. Yeah, just be silent the whole episode. <laughs> That'll be good. 
Mm. Well, um, right now we're in Queenstown, New Zealand, which is known as the adventure... Capital of the world? Yes, it is. That's right. And so... Why is that? Because this is where people jump off the mountain and do... uh, What's that called? Well, there's paragliding. Yeah, they're doing paragliding. Like just, they're jumping off every five minutes. There's someone paragliding off the mountain. Bungee jumping. Mm Mm-hmm. Luging down the mountain, mm-hmm. uh, water sports. Oh, we saw someone yesterday in some kind of boat. It was called a shark boat or something. And it goes under the water. Yeah, and pops up straight towards the sky. You can dive under the water like a submarine, and then you can fly around. And you're inside a, a co- canopy or cockpit or something. Yeah, it looks crazy. It's a, it's a little boat. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. We didn't do any of that. We did do luging on our day off. We went down the mountain. Frisbee golf too. Oh, you know. By the way, let me just say for those of you out there who need something to do active outside, frisbee golf is for you. Let me tell you why. Number one, it's free. Number two, there's a frisbee golf course in almost every city area, right? Mm, A lot of them. Usually college campus. Number three, you can do it with groups of people. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, we used to do it with our whole family. I highly recommend Frisbee Golf. And if you really want to see something interesting, for Juan's 40th birthday, I took him on a trip where he, we did disc golfing all over New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York City, and I created... Not New York City, but New York State. Oh, yeah, New York State. We created a disc golf documentary on YouTube. Oh, (laughs) boy. And it's hot stuff, people. That's a can't take your eyes off of this thing. Well, it was right after YouTube started, so I didn't really know what I was doing, and I didn't have a real camera. Wandering around the woods throwing frisbees. (laughs) Do you like like that kind of thing? That was my early cinematography um, uh, demonstration, but I guess it's not very good. All right, we should get to the question. Sorry. Yes, so um, we're on question 31. So we only have five more after this. We're almost to the end of this podcast. Praise the Lord. So question 31 is, Mambo, tell your partner something that you like about them already. In other words, this is for two strangers that have met. And even though they don't hardly know each other, because they've just gone through 30 questions and mm. gotten to know each other to a certain extent, yeah. this is something, you know what? I found about I found about you through this process that mm-hmm. I already like this about you, even though we're new acquaintances. So, do you mean when people did these thirty-six questions, they would sit and do them all in a row? I don't know the answer to that. That would be really hard to do. I don't think so because that would take all day. All day. Who knows? Maybe well, they did. Maybe they did. And they just answered more briefly than we do. Because um, we take almost an hour each time. Or I don't 30 think minutes. they're rocketing through it it wouldn't be very Mm. effective if they did right right they're getting to know each other so i bet they broke it up Hmm. interesting so in any case obviously we've been married 30 years um so what do you like about me already after 30 years (laughs) it's a little different question but wait uh, read it to me again read it to me again 
tell your partner something that you like about them already. You know, it, I feel like just a few questions back, well, the question was, what do you like about that's, them? Uh, question 28 was, tell your partner something you like about them. Be very honest this time. Oh. Saying things you might not say to someone you've just met. You know, maybe they have you doing this twice because sometimes you tell somebody something you like about them and that's nice. But then if you tell them something else you like about them, you're then getting, that's... You're going in deeper. Extra nice. Yeah, well, you're... Yeah. Okay. Whoops. Taking photo of the counter there? Uh, screenshotting on accident. Okay. All right. So, do you want to answer first or do you want me to answer first? I could go first if you want. I have something. Go ahead. Okay. I can't wait to hear this. I'm not sure what I said last time, but... This is what's coming to my mind right okay. now, spontaneously, since this is a spontaneous, unplanned podcast, obviously. Um, I like that you're different than all the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay. It's true. <laughs> you're so different than all the other guys. Uh, in what ways? Well, what other guys, they watch football, or they watch soccer, or they watch sports. Oh, no, guys. not American. Yeah. Other guys yeah. are into sports. Okay. You're not. Or fishing or hunting. Yeah. Or into, yeah, that's a sport. I'm not into any of that. You're not into any sports, yeah. except for ping pong and frisbee golf, but it's... Some, you, how often do you frisbee golf? Or slacker sports. Three times, <laughs> three times a year. Yeah, so you're not really into sports at all. And uh, other guys are kind of like, um, I don't know. You're just not like other guys. I guess I should have a way to say it. Yeah, how am I different than other guys? Um, I don't know. You know, I think it's something that I think you're very likable. And that's why when you speak in front of people as a speaker or as a preacher, people tend to really like you because you're unique and your uniqueness makes you likable. You look unique. You dress a little bit unique. You act unique. You're just different. Um, I don't. But you can't actually think of how. Well, I mean, you are a musician and you're creative. So are you like other musicians? Maybe a little bit. So that's true. Mm. Um, you are somewhat like other musicians, maybe. Um, but you still have, a, there's a lot, most musicians I know aren't also like a jack, they're not always preachers as well. Like very few people that's true. will preach Generally. an amazing sermon and be able to lead worship both and also be able to organize the event and like like all the different things that you have to do, you can do them all. So you're you're very. Um, I would say you're unassuming. At the amount of um, things that you can accomplish, like you might see you and think, oh, he's just some guy, whatever. Like he's some quiet guy, he's nobody. Like Jesus. They said that about Jesus. Remember, they said, they "Yeah, they said Jesus. He's like not anybody to look at. He's not anybody really like notice or anything like that." There's a verse about that. Remember? Mm, yeah, I think it's an Old Testament prophecy. Actually, it? it's not. They were saying that. Oh, I mm -hmm. thought it was in the New Testament. But I know what you're saying. Maybe it's it in said something Proverbs. about how. You can Google it and look <sighs> it up while we're talking. But you're kind of that, that way. It's like you see you and you're like ah. 
that's, you know, nothing special to some guy, but you're extremely special because you can do anything and do it really well. Um, you're able to do so many things so well. Um, jack of all trades. Well, actually not really. You're not good at fixing things. But that's another way that you're not like every other guy. Like other guys will have tools in the garage. They'll be fixing things. They'll be figuring things out. Like, I mean, you can do those things, but that's not you. That's not, that's not your sweet spot. You know what I mean? Fixing stuff? Yeah, and you don't do that. I mean, you can, but mm. it's not your, your thing. It's not what I enjoy. I've only done it because I had to. Maybe. Anyway, yeah, right. Of course, you'll do anything you have to do, but... You're, you're different than other guys. And so that's what I like about you, actually, is that you're different than other guys. You're really unique. And I like that. Because I like different, unique things. Mm. In general. Well, thank you. Yeah. So you're my, you're my thing. <laughs> that's unique. <laughs> you're my kind of thing. Did you find the verse? Um... So Isaiah 53, 2 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we, sh that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. I don't think that's the verse. That's the ESV, but I think that is the verse. But there's not a lot of verses about his um, appearance. I feel like there was another It one. goes on to say he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and all that. So yeah, his appearance has no form or majesty. That's the ESV. I don't know. Mm. That, that That is the verse. I know it doesn't sound like much, but mm. I mean, it does say it's not like he was the most amazing thing to look at. He was just a guy. I mean, as far as appearance wise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, always on the movies and TV shows, he's like this good looking guy or, you know, very well, Whatever. yeah, they don't want, I mean, if you're Hollywood or anything, you're not going to make them look ugly. It'd be funny if they made them chubby. What's the that? Wouldn't it be funny if they had like a chubby Jesus? They, they should. <laughs> not know. super chubby, but just kind of stocky. You know, like a stocky Greek guy? <laughs> crooked teeth. Yeah, some crooked teeth. Like a normal. Yeah, beady little eyes. Beady little eyes? <laughs> wow. I think you're talking about me now. No, I'm not. Anyway, but I, I think um, I think you're easily underestimated mm. um, until you speak, like, or until you lead worship. Then everyone's like, oh, wow, look at that. Like, that's something. So. Um, okay, listen to this version. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Is that the same verse? Yeah, and a different. That's New Living. Yeah, maybe that's So it. anyway, that is interesting, right? But, anyway. but, but enough about Jesus. Let's talk more so about So what I me. like about you is that you're nothing to look at. Yeah, just like Jesus. <laughs> you just... Blah looking. I think you're cute. Oh. I've always thought you're cute. Thank you. My I mom like thinks so thin too. guys with light colored eyes and brown mm -hmm. hair. That was my thing. So you're right up my alley. I'm your type. Yeah, that geeky type. It's my favorite. Well, I'm a, I always have thought of myself as a unique person. Um, different. You know? Yeah, you're different. Exactly. You're just different. 
And I, think, I don't know what that... I think it comes from a couple places. Okay. My family was very different. They were. They are not normal people. That's okay? true. They are, were always outside the box. We had a boat, and the name of the boat was Outrageous One. Number one, you know? And uh-huh. um, I was like, that's pretty much a good description of our life and our personality and our family culture. It's pretty outrageous. We do things normal people just don't do and I think I just took that on as a natural part of yeah that's fun to -hmm. do really crazy things or different things or Mm -hmm. to be different is good it's to be desired I don't want to fit in I like to be unique and different Mm. well you are and I love that about you also I grew up in a black school and Mm. I was different because I was white and Mm -hmm. just I was the minority, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, in that specific situation. And I definitely was different than the other kids I, I went to school with. I was the same in a lot of ways, and too. And you look different. Like, well, I look different. You, that was the main people difference. People might not know. I guess they see your picture on the thing, but you kind of look like Tom Petty or uh, who's the other guy? Christian musician they used to think you looked like when you were younger. Um, David Crowder. David Crowder. David Crowder is very different. Not as tall as him. Not as tall, not as thin. Not anymore. Not anymore. He used to be as thin as him. He did. But David Crowder's kind of unique looking, right? He's yes. kind of a different looking kind of guy. And that's you. You're just different. Yes. Not yes. very handsome, but different. <laughs> You're see. handsome to me and your mother. Sure, he's handsome to his wife and mother. <laughs> gets better and better this episode. All right, all right, that's enough. Let's go to our book of the week. All right, well, um, I'm picking the book of the week this time. Um, it's called Communicating for a Change by Andy Stanley, Stanley and Lane Jones. If you haven't heard of Andy Stanley, uh, where you been? This guy is one of the most famous preachers on earth he has a mega church in georgia is that right is that the church we visited in somewhere georgia? in the south <laughs> no it's not the one we, we went to been, no we've not been to his church i think it was i think we went to andy we stanley's went to church. church it's a different church hmm. did you hear andy stanley preach no i thought i did no we did not oh okay anyway he's a famous preacher and his dad was a famous preacher too by the way uh but anyway he wrote a book he he is I mean, yeah, he runs a mega church, but even bigger than that, his presence through writing. Isn't online. doesn't he do that marriage book that I did a Bible study for with my church called um, yeah. Me to We? Uh, or, yes, yes. Or, I don't know if it's Me to Some We. Some marriage thing. I don't even know what it is. But I liked it. It but was good. The answer is yes. Right. I remember okay. he's got a big marriage thing, right? With his wife. Okay, so this one's called Communicating for a Change. It's about preaching. Oh. Um, so. I don't know if everybody would like this kind of topic, but if you're a public speaker, um, strangely enough, um, as a Christian leader, there's very little training in public speaking or preaching. It's so true. I know that sounds weird. Um, they, I mean, when you're in seminary, they call it homiletics. Um, that's the name of it. They had that when I was in Bible college. Homiletics. I was just going, um, 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 because oh. you're talking about speaking, but saying, um, every sentence, oh. which is the anti-speaking thing. Did they teach about that in his book? No, they're not critical, <laughs> like some people. <laughs> so Andy Stanley's book is Communicating for Change, and he is one of the most gifted 
speakers. He is very mm, laser beam focused, great at getting across with great clarity a topic. So just anyway, really gifted. Uh, there's, <laughs> he's not a perfect person, let me put it that way. But he's a great guy. Nobody's a perfect person. No, no. But I thought this book was great. It's one of the few books on the topic, to be honest. And I've read another one called What If Jesus Gave a TED Talk. Oh. It's good. Um, it's all about brain science. Um, it's, it's called neurotheology. It's about, the, the, it's a pastor who studied theology and he studied brain science. So he has studied how to um, connect with the brain so that the information is grasped. Well, we're not talking about that book. Though. I know, but that's an interesting book if you want to read something about brain science. Uh, this one is Communicating for a Change, and he has a formula, okay? I mean, and he basically lays it out, but he does it in a, um, what do you call it, an allegory story? Like there's a character in the book, and he meets this other guy, and so, you know, that's very typical for no, leadership books. No, I don't know. I don't understand. Oh, you didn't know that? Um, no. So books on leadership have been doing this very successfully and selling millions of copies for Gosh, past 20 years. Doing what? Your Allegory? own dad. Yeah, your own dad wrote books this way. The pizza book? Right. A guy who's selling pizza and somebody talks to him and he teaches him all these lessons through the story. It's old hat now. But anyway, uh, that's the way he does it. And then he kind of breaks down the, the meaning. So there's seven key things in the book. All right. Number one, before you start to communicate, determine your goal. Why are you communicating? In other words, sum up the whole message into one sentence. One clear, and this is the hardest part, he says. The whole message, what is the main thing you want them to take away with, and repeat it over and over throughout the message. It's pretty smart. It's actually pretty hard to do. Mm. Uh, I've done it, and I've not done it. <laughs> Number two, pick a point. Um, the classic training for preachers back in the old days was a three-point sermon. Uh -huh. He would suggest, uh, nobody rem remembers three points. Uh, if you're lucky, if they remember one point. So hit one main point. Uh, I couldn't, I always had the same philosophy. So when I read the book, I was like, that's what I believe. Um, I feel like on Sunday when we visited that church here, he repeated something throughout. And it was Palm Sunday. So he said something like, Hosanna on Sunday or Holly, Holly on Sunday. And then during the world. Oh, Good Friday is Hosanna, praise you, you're great. Yeah. Like, and on then Good Friday. Not too long after, though, that. that they Everyone's were crucify him, crucify him. Yes. So he said that probably 10 times throughout the sermon, and that's why we're able to pull that up. I can only pull up half. And he waved a bunch of gigantic palm fronds around while he said it. Right. But he was talking about how people are like, Hosanna, Hosanna on Sunday, and crucify him, crucify him. Every time you sin, you're just saying, I'm, you're crucifying Jesus, you know, um, so that his blood can cover your sin. And so it's like, Hosanna, Hosanna, crucify him, crucify him, Hosanna, Hosanna, crucify him, crucify him, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Christians who live like a Christian on Sunday and live, you know, like the world during the week. And um, I thought it was, it, I remembered it because he kept repeating it. So I think he was doing that method. Yes, partially. And partially he was a little all over the place, talking about a lot of stuff and a lot of concepts and good stuff. It was all good. But it did kind of bounce around to where... Most people do not retain sermons. Mm. Um, they, they lose like 50% immediately. There's yeah. actual documentation and scientific study on this, but they lose most of it immediately. And within a couple of weeks, it's all gone. Right. Literally all. But if you keep repeating that one sentence, so remember that sentence, and especially if, and this is what Pastor Tim from Liquid Church, um, our really good friend back home, 
used to do is he would have an object. He called it a symbol. So he would hold up a symbol or an object. So I remember sermons that he did eight years ago because like he held up a life preserver. Now, I don't remember the sentence he gave with that life preserver. <laughs> so it was eight years so ago. He says to use a symbol, a scripture, and a story. Yeah. And so, yeah, one core scripture is your main thing. Mm-hmm. And then a story to make it real and flesh it out. Right. But holding up that symbol, I think that's what people do really badly. The least. The least. And it's the most important. Because if you, if and, and, and like, if you I have. I don't know if I think it's the most important, but it's a key well, it's a part key, of the pie to the brain remembering what you taught yes. about. Because now yes. every single time I see an orange life preserver, I think of that message. So, And so it kind of ties it back if you have an everyday object. But you have to make contact with that object like 10 times during the sermon. It's not just holding it up once and putting it down and you're done. It's like you're talking about it, you hold it, you pick it up, you, you touch it, you toss it around. Like you keep making contact with that object that really helps you remember well, here's the, the thing. teaching, and, I think. Well, here's here's the problem that this man's trying to solve through this book. Oh, okay. Most preaching is boring and uh, mediocre. That's true. I, I believe that. As of someone who's a natural preacher myself and gone to church now since I was 10 a million yeah. times, I'm like, wow, most preaching, it, it's, it's valid because it's the Bible. Sure. But can I remember it and apply it? A lot of it I get lost or bored in the middle. Yeah. And so this guy, he you don't. You mm. don't get bored in the middle. I mean, he, mm. he's taken you on a journey, and he's very good at it. Mm. And um, so I, I think the most important part is the Scripture, mm-hmm. and I think most pastors would agree, and that's all they talk about, the Scripture. They, f- they forget the other two components, which is the story, which Jesus told a lot of stories to flesh it into our right. real life. And a good story is when you actually bring someone there, they can taste it, they can smell it, they can they feel like they're with you on the yeah, journey. it's an art. It's a skill. Storytelling, storytelling. is an art, Huge. yeah. Right. And then the simple thing, that one, you know, usually they'll have maybe some story or at least some kind of... Um, what? Um... Example, if they hit an example is worse than a story, not oh, as good. Yeah. But they'll have something, yeah. right? But usually not enough, uh, like a good story. But then oh. a symbol, usually that nothing. I would say with you and I, when we speak, stories where we're the weakest. I think we give examples, we give visuals, we repeat, we give verses. But when it comes to like a really good story, oh. I think that's where we're weak. Uh, I disagree. Really? Yeah, I always make sure in every message to have one or two good stories. Oh, I tell a story every preach. message, but I think telling a good story I think what is different than just telling a story. Is now we don't preach sermons so much as we train, which is yeah. more like two, three hours at a time. Yeah, it's a lot of teaching. And you need, you need stories still in that. So, but a st- I think when a story is not good, it's an example. A story is like really taking someone there. Okay, well let me let me give you an example. Like yesterday, not yeah. yesterday, I'm sorry. Two days ago, we did a training. Right. Right? On Mercy Ministry. Yeah. So I gave a couple stories. Tell me how you think I did on those stories. How effective were they? They were good. Were they really good or just okay? If you uh, had to pick one or the other. They were all really good. Okay. So you told a lot of stories in that training. Now you've That's heard true. those stories a lot, so it deadens you to the emotional impact too. Right. But I literally, 
I think a great message, if I give a great message, and yeah. they're not always great, I will admit. Right. <laughs> okay. I've hit some home runs and I've hit some duds, but or, or half good, right? When I can make someone cry in my message and laugh, I feel like that was a great message. To be that engaged where you're having fun, but then something hits you so hard, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, you feel you're moved emotionally. Now, I'm not trying to manipulate people's emotions, no. but I'm trying to make the scripture come alive. And it is so amazing and so emotional to me. I want other people to encounter it the same way. I don't feel like we're doing stories, though, when you and I preach together as a team and we're both preaching. I don't think we're using story very much. When you much. say preaching, do you mean an hour sermon on a Sunday morning? No, I mean we're like we're doing a three-hour training. Three-hour training that we don't do enough stories? Yeah, I don't think we do when we're together. Um, teaching together as a team. I don't see us doing a lot of stories. I think we need to work on that. I think, well, I, th- I think you're right. You, you can always add a better story or a good story. Yeah. Anyway, we're anyway. talking a lot about preaching because that's what we do. Oh, sorry. So we're boring could, everyone to death. I could go into minute detail, <laughs> excruciatingly minute detail. You already lost everybody. No one's listening anymore. Come back. Come back. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get to so, the answer. Read a magazine now. Stop. <laughs> Stop talking. Well, um, well, anyway. let's go to the question. Anyway, so uh, I do. If you have any interest in being a preacher or teaching or whether, I would suggest communicating for a change. It's actually one of the best books on the topic, by Andy Stanley. Great. Okay. So, let's get to the your answer to the question. Um, mm. Not that anybody cares about what you like about me, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I guess I'd like to hear it since this is kind of like our date, our uh, our podcast date. Maybe you can tell me something you like about me. Yes. Is there anything at um, all? Yes, there Even is. Even a little There's something? There's a lot of things. Just which thing do I pick, though? Yeah. You know? Um, okay. I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. Anyway, tell your partner something you like about them, okay, already. Um, So, I like the way that you, you're able to, um, you're able to sense what people are feeling and what they mean, even though they're not saying it. Oh, to yeah. read between the lines of what they're saying, and you actually you you're, you're able to do this uh, magic trick, like an empath, like from Star Trek or something, where you're like, oh, the root of this, you can go three steps deeper than what they just said and know where it's coming from somehow. I am taking their words at complete face value, <laughs> and I take them very literally, like, oh, you mean this, because that's what you're saying, and 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 but because. Either it's a sensitive subject, or they're afraid to say it a certain way, they're being very careful. You know all of those things, and you know why. It's sensitive, and they're, it's, uh-huh. they're careful. You know why, and what, why the issue, you know, you know it all. I have no idea. I'm literally just taking everything at face value. And um, that is a gift. I mean, I think you hear about this. This is a typical thing they will say about women. They have much more intuition than men. And I think that is true. Sometimes. I mean, I know men who have a lot of intuition and women who don't. And I'm not just going to say it's a male-female thing, but I'm just going to say that I appreciate this in you because it's a skill I don't have. It's something I'm weak in. And so I, I, you know, you help me by filling me in or 
taking us in a conversation with people to what the real issue is, the real root. Yeah. And that's true. It's amazing. So we have this weird job, life, ministry, calling where mm. we go to a different place and meet strangers every week in a new culture, in a new country. And you immediately are able, within five or 10 minutes, as we start getting to know them, we've just introduced ourselves. You're pulling them in close and deep fast. Mm-hmm. I think this is why... I could never do this without you to that degree. <laughs> that's There's true. There's no way I could do that. And I, I think that's exactly why we need women on lead, lead teams um, and decision making. Because what I see is I see so many men leading and then women trying to tell the men what they need to know. And either as a, a secretary, and that's what it is. So we can say there are like admin or, oh, women are just gifted in admin. No, they're your secretary. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't give myself that name when I was doing that. We want to give them a better name because the truth is they're handling all the crap and all the stuff and all the details of everything. Um, and a secretary is kind of a lowly thing. But I see time and time again, a hundred men leading and a hundred women as their secretary or their admin taking care of all the stuff. And the job of the secretary or the wife, if they're married, is like, do you see this? This is something you need to see. Pay attention to this. Do you notice this? We need to take care of this. Or this is what's happening. Do you see this is happening? And so, but it's kind of like coming from below you, like trying to like, hey, hey, listen, hey, do you notice this? Like, if you don't mind, you know, and, and, um, and, I think that's why women get this this brand of being a nag is because they're trying to help you to see something because they don't have the authority or the power to just take care of business. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But if you give a female the authority and the power to take care of business alongside a man as an equal, then they're able to see it, notice it, and take care of it without you even thinking about it or worrying about it or even needing to know about it. Um, and so I think because we work as a team, you and me, um, and I have that authority to do that. It frees me up to be able just to take care of business. And so half the things that would not be taken care of at all, if yeah. it was just you, are just taken care of. It's not like I have to convince you or get you to do something or get you to do something you don't see or understand. I can just do it. Um, and I think that's why God called us in, Ge- in Genesis to lead together. It said to, um, oh, what's the verse? It says to, to rule that they're supposed to, male and female together are supposed to rule, to lead. Um, mm-hmm. Not men, and then women are there to help them, because that right. word helper yeah, and they're here to steward the minister. earth and yeah, resources. Steward the, yeah, and everything, to steward everything and everyone. Yeah. Make everything flourish. Yeah, and work as a team. Yeah. And so I'm seeing this more and more as I work with you as your equal, that both of us are so desperately needed, like your skills are so desperately needed because I don't have them. Um, some of your organizational skills, your ability to just communicate straight and direct. People listen to you more than they listen to me. When you speak, everyone listens. When I speak, it's like they're glazed over. Well, it's funny because sometimes people, in order to really receive from you, like you specifically, um, they need someone to be very sensitive and connect with their emotions and all that, right? Right. I'd say that's most of the time. On the other hand, there's these other situations where the person needs somebody to not actually talk about emotions at all, but speak very straight 
Yeah. And then they actually appreciate it like, oh, you're, you're right. Thank you for just telling me how it is. I don't know how many people have told me that. Right. Juan, thank you for just cutting straight to the point and telling me exactly how it is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Now, sometimes it takes that approach because that's what they need. And sometimes it takes the other approach of... Tell me your feelings for half an hour or an hour before we get to the real heart of things. Because they can't get right to the point. There's yeah. no way they're ready. They're not you ready. have to massage them all the way in. And now they're like, yes, this is what I have to deal with. Right. And so that's why I think um, working together works so well. And yes. I, I feel like that's the way God designed it. And if you're not married and you're single um, and you're leading, you should have a female co-lead with you. Um, or a male co-lead with you if you're a female because there's the perspective is completely different the communication style is different and you can just achieve so much more together well let me caveat that with i yes i agree and there's very few organizations on earth where there's co true co-leaders okay Mm. and that's okay with me too but the point is, whoever the leader is, I heard Craig Rochelle say this actually himself, who leads one of the biggest churches on earth called Life Church. He says, I surround myself with people and some of them women who help me to soften mm. because I can be so hard edged. So and I true. was like, ooh, he's so smart yeah. to know that about himself. He's totally hard edged. Right. G- great leader. Right. But a little scary sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what it is about yeah. him, but he's awesome. I love him. Right. So if you're lead, the people that are the lead decision-making team, mm-hmm. I think it should be half female. Well, I think at the highest level, you have to have a team to be effective. You know, yeah. If you're a single person, I mean, you have to have a team. You can only do so much. If right. you're leading a lot, you, you have need to have a team. a team. And if you don't have women and men on that team, you're really blowing it. Right. And also, you know, we're, we're working on this training coming up. This week, I guess that's why I'm thinking about it, is we're working on defer- a diversity training um, for missionaries. And, and it's not even... It's not even about women. It's about different personalities, outgoing, introverted, extroverted. It's about um, races, black, white, Hispanic, Indian, Asian, right? Yeah. And I just want to say it's not what it's not what you normally think of, I think, of when you... When we say diversity training, it sounds like some weird political correct thing. It's that's what people think of when they talk about. Oh yeah, in HR in the corporate world, it's like everybody say the right thing in the right way and don't offend anybody. And it's kind of a weird world diversity training. Um, Yeah, it's not about that. It's more about having what we're talking. Yeah, it's more about giving a voice to all different kinds of people. Yeah, especially if who you're impacting in the world mm-hmm. is different kinds of people. Right. Well, then the leaders have to be different kinds of people to have the right perspective. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. You need their skills, their cultural interpretation, their eyes, their feelings. You may not understand how they see and interpret things. You right. need different types of people on your team. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. And I think you're a different type of person. So I'm glad you're on, you're on my team. Well, I'm glad you're on my team, too. The second thing I wanted to say, uh, something I like about you. You're going to do a double? Yeah, I didn't give you a double. It doesn't matter. This is what I, now it's my turn. Double scoop of ice cream. Do whatever I want. You got to take all the time. Anyway, it's, no, I was thinking about you. One of the things you do to take care of us as a team is you um, research extensively um, how we're going to get somewhere. 
mm-hmm. uh, transportation, flights, whatever, trains, boats, mm-hmm. uh, cars. You research um, where we're going to stay. Where we're going to stay, and all the options. And we have to do this constantly. Every week, week or every few uh, days. Every couple of days, you're having to sort out and find a deal and <laughs> make sure it's not too crappy so that we can keep going. Yeah. And not too fancy so it like drains our pocket. It. Yeah, we have to be able to afford it. So it's always the balance, right? Like, we need hot water. <laughs> uh, we need a decent bed <laughs> so we can sleep. Things like that. We don't always get that, but, but it's because nice. you're like, you're a master researcher and hunter and you like to. I don't know what it is about you that you can just keep going. Like you do it while we're in bed. I'm sleeping at night. You're still scrolling through options and opportunities and comparing them. For hours you will do this. And I don't have the patience for it. Mm. And I'm so glad that you have the attention to detail. Yeah. Um, to And the tenacity and perseverance to do this. I guess, she, I don't know if this is would be considered an administrative skill. I guess it is. Yeah. It's, it's just a real skill. But you know what? Um, thank you for saying that. It's yeah. very kind to be appreciated because oh, I, I put do. a lot of hours into Boy, that for I. our life. But I think, I'm not just looking for a place to stay. I'm imagining you sitting in that chair. Are you comfortable in that chair mm. or not? No? Next place. I'm looking at the view. I'm like, would he like that view? Would that make him happy? No? Yeah. Next. You know, like I'm I'm actually trying to find something, cur- kind of like curate an experience for us. The location, is it too far of a drive from where we're ministering? Is yeah. it close? Yeah. Is it is it in a loud area? Like I'm just trying to find the perfect thing for you and for me um, so that we can... It's huge. When you love on the road. It's basically so our home. Huge. Exactly. I think it's homemaking. Exactly. <laughs> it's homemaking on the go. It really is because <laughs> we don't have a home. And so the best, next best thing is where are we staying? Wherever like, we stay is our home. I'm so, so thankful yeah, that you're trying to find a home oh every few days. If you don't have the right place, it breaks you and wears you down. Oh, it makes you cry. Yeah. It's, it, like, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. If you're up all night because the bed is really bad and you can't sleep and you're... Or the person screaming, or store. <laughs> I mean, it's how, some things you can't control. The Wi-Fi doesn't work, and you're trying to get work done. You can't work. Yeah, there's it's a lot hard. of. It's interesting living on the road because you really you can look at pictures, but you really don't know till you get there, right? And so I, I actually have to read all the reviews for each place, and I might read 20 reviews yeah. for 20 different locations to try to figure out what's the real truth about this place, yeah. and is it. It's, Will it work? I'm so thankful for that. So I like that about you, that you're so good at it. Thanks. I mean, you you thrive on it, too, actually, even though it's sometimes you get burned out on it. Yeah. But you're good at it. And um, by the way, I speaking of what we were just talking about, hmm. um, I just read an article. So if our listener wants to check it out, it's called Pray and Pivot, Surviving Missionary Travel. Oh, yeah, the article you just wrote. Yeah, it's like so, a blog article, right? Um, yes. It's on it's, our blog? It's on our blog at gallowaysonmission.com. Gallowaysonmission.com. G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y-S on O-N mission, M-I-S-S-I-O-N dot C-O-N. Yeah, you'll find our uh, link to this podcast, which you're already on. Uh, blog articles and yeah that's a good article I think it has a picture of me sleeping in the airport in the middle of the night on the front <laughs> yes. on the ground that's right which is you know not as easy when you're turning 50 but doable <laughs> any port in a storm <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Well, anyway, well, this was good. Um, so now you know that I love that you're different and you love that I'm um, intuitive and great at booking an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we don't always stay in Airbnbs, by the way. Many times we're staying at mission bases for free, oh, yeah. eating for free. It's just every once in a while in between. You gotta have somewhere to be. Well, yeah, some bases just don't have the room, but we still want to come and support them and serve them. So we, yeah, get a place nearby. Yeah, we have financial partners who pray for us and uh, partner with us financially, so that we can go and minister anywhere, anytime, even if they can't. You know, we, we don't charge anything really when we come in. No, it's all for free. And yeah. um, but people send us. Yeah. As missionaries. Speaking of flights, I don't know if you can hear that air. There's a we flight are, going over our head now. There is a flight going over our head at this place, but that's okay. Right so, by the airport. Yeah. <laughs> we fly out next week. Yes. So, and then we're on to the next location. Farewell, New Zealand. It's been good. Yep. We're, I think we're going to be hitting 10 countries this year, uh, which is a lot. So we'll just keep you updated, at least for the next five episodes. And then after that... You won't know where we are unless you tune into our next podcast, which we're dreaming up right now, and we're not sure exactly what it'll be yet, but I'm sure it'll be interesting. Okay. Well, it's been fun, guys. All right. Bye.